What number is this, Chip? Zilch, 175, Monkeys 101 for Too Many Girls. Uh, The latest on Mickey's tribute dates, a murder mystery in Philadelphia, and more. Okay, don't don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. Zilch. Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Zilch, everybody. This is one of your hosts, Sarah Clark, today with all the latest Monkeys news as well as Monkeys 101 for Too Many Girls, a great episode that Roseanne and I are going to get to here in a minute. But first, we've got some business to cover. Uh, I want to start off with a special guy who shared a special announcement with all of us. Hi, Mickey Dolan's here. Hey, heads up. I'm digging into my archives in preparation of a special series of concerts I'm performing in April. Mickey Dolan's celebrates the monkeys. I'll be singing all of the great big monkey hits as well as some surprises in honor of David, Peter, and Mike. I'll be sharing my stories and along the way, a few rare photos and films of my friends. I hope you'll join me for what should be a very special event. And here is the complete list of Mickey Dolan Celebrates the Monkeys venues and dates. First off, we'll be kicking off on April 5th, 2022 in Nashville, Tennessee at the Ryman Auditorium. On the 6th, we'll be in Richmond, Kentucky at the EKU Center for the Arts. On April 8th, we'll be in another Nashville, Nashville, Indiana, with the Brown Country Music Center. Then on the 9th, Mickey will be heading to Cincinnati, Ohio at the Andrew J. Brady Icon Music Center. April 11th, Mickey will be in Wheeling, West Virginia at the Capitol Theater. 12th of April, Akron, Ohio at the Goodyear Theater. April 13th, Joliet, Illinois at the Rialto Square Theater. And April 15th, 2022 in Riverside, Iowa at the Riverside Casino and Golf Resort. Next up, for all of you who like a good party, check out this latest event put on by friend of the podcast, Jody Ritson, through her wonderful Monkeys Meets and Greets organization. From monkeymeetandgreets.com, we are having a big fat monkeys party and we want you there. On Friday, April 8th, 2022 at Philadelphia, PA, be part of of a 60s-themed party night with music, monkeys, friends, and murder. (gasps) Everyone is invited. The event kicks off at 7 p.m. with open bar, snacks, and music to mingle from The Characters, the best and biggest monkeys tribute band ever. They will bring the fun and the music. Then from 8 to 10, a full buffet with drinks and more. Then from 9.30 until 1.30, Monkeys Murder Mystery. You will be involved in a monkeys-themed murder mystery where one of you will be the murderer. Me? You must be joking. But who will that be? A theater company will entertain us with everything from props to music to creating a mystery-themed evening. 
Room rates available at monkeymeetandgreets.com. Supplies are limited, more to come. Open to only 100 guests. For payment plan options and questions, email jodysmonkeynews at gmail.com. Taking place at the Hilton, Philadelphia on City Avenue in Philadelphia, PA. 12.9 miles from the Philadelphia airport and 6 miles from the 30th Street Station. A big fat monkeys party. Friday, April 8th, 2022 in Philadelphia, PA. Don't miss it. Go to monkeymeetandgreets.com for full details. Yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun and a lot of spookiness and a lot of great music. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, I should hopefully be there. So I hope to see some of y'all there next month on the 8th. And then, without further ado, or further ado, as I heard some guy say once upon a time, we are going to move into Monkeys 101 this week. Uh, that We are talking about Too Many Girls, a.k.a. Davy and Fern, um, a.k.a. Davy meets a girl who has quite the stage mother, and hijinks ensue. Class! Class! It's Monkeys 101! Here at Zilch, a Monkeys podcast, we're big fans of education. But as Zilch Nation grows, there's also a growing number of fans who don't know their Frodus from their Freebill Energizer, or who've forgotten the departure time for last train to Clarksville. There are even people in this world who can't solve the equation nine times blue. Oh, but have no fear, because doctors Roseanne Welch and Sarah Clark are here to help with their new series, Monkeys 101. Their regular class sessions and symposiums on special topics will explore all things monkeys, from the deeper meanings of the TV show and music we all know and love, to the cultural impact of the monkeys from 1966 all the way to the present. We'll even explore the monkeys' connections to history then and now. Stay tuned for a fun, thoughtful romp through the world of the monkeys, and who knows? At the end of the episode, you just might be thinking about the monkeys in a different, deeper way. Welcome back to Monkeys 101, episode 15. This is one of your hosts, Dr. Sarah Clark, and joining me as always is... Dr. Roseanne Welch. Oh, so awesome to be back with you. We haven't recorded since the Christmas episode a little while back. Well, that's appropriate. You know, Christmas episode, Christmas break. Yeah, absolutely. So we are raring to go. Logline for this episode, which is Too Many Girls slash Davy and Fern. I guess they couldn't decide on a title or used them interchangeably or whatever. But Well, back in the day, at least it wasn't untitled. Those make me crazy. Yeah, that's understandable. So we've got our logline. An ambitious stage mother is determined to use love-struck Davy to promote her daughter's career. Uh, teleplay by Dave Evans and Gerald Cardner and Dee Caruso, and then story by Dave Evans. I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but what's the difference between teleplay and story? <laughs> well, for writers, you want teleplay credit because that's what residuals is based off of, the script. Right. Whereas story can be lots of things. For instance, we get down to Frodo's Caper, the assistant director helped come up with a story. So you get some money for that. And not, not an un... Uh, acceptable chunk of money, some five or six thousand dollars. Uh, it would have been less so back in the day. And that just means you came up with an outline. And the way contracts work in the Writers Guild, if you're freelancing something, or in this case, Dave was on staff, uh, 
He did not outline. They paid him for it. If they liked it, they then paid you the next fee, which was to write the whole script. Generally, if you're on staff, you're going to get that, but you might have done a really terrible job. Uh, freelancers, sadly, often would hand them something that wasn't very workable, and so they'd say, here's your money, thank you, leave. You get story credit, and now we move on to letting our real writers write it. So that's the difference between the two. Okay, that makes sense. And I figured it was something like that. It just sometimes you see the written by credit, and then sometimes it's broken out by that. So I was just curious about the details. Exactly. And yeah. many of the other writers that I talked to would say that Having adding in uh, Gardner and Caruso, they were the showrunners, so they right. always took a pass on lots of things. So you could still say most of this comes out of Dave Evans' head, and I think we're going to hit on that as we go through because he had a very good cover of what a monkey's episode should be, and he really loved playing in that world. That is true. That is true. This is a very much a very first season monkeys episode in its way. So, <laughs> well said. Yes. And so we have three very familiar names on the writing side of things. And another extremely familiar name is director James Frawley. Film dates were September 20th through 22nd of 1966. Aired on December 19th of 1966. It was a non-report week for the Nielsen. So we do not have ratings for this week. There you go. Yeah. Week before Christmas, there's so many specials and whatnot, they don't bother taking ratings because they won't be real. They'll, they'll be laid up against all the Rudolph and everything else that was playing. Exactly. In fact, the day before this aired, last time in Dance Monkey Dance, but the night before this aired was the initial airing of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So That's right. Yes. Ah, that era with all these excellent Christmas episodes came to be. Yes, so many classics from then. Yeah. <laughs> So in the news for the uh, week of December 19th, 1966, on the 20th, and I apologize to the city of Seattle because I have to bring this up, on December 20th, the NBA awards Seattle Supersonics a franchise for the 1967-68 season, and then about 45 years or so later, they moved to my hometown of Oklahoma City and became the Oklahoma City Thunder, Thunder Up. <laughs> December 21st, the cult film King of Hearts, i.e. Raw de Coeur, I have awful <laughs> French, apologies, premieres directed by Philippe de Broca, starring Alan Bates. Have not seen it. December 23rd, Britain's rock TV show Ready, Steady, Go airs for the last time. I'm not sure I actually heard of that one. I mean, we all know about Top of the Pops for obvious reasons, but... <laughs> Obvious monkeys reasons. Obvious monkeys reasons. Obvious monkey <laughs> spouse reasons, yes. And then December 24th, Soviet spacecraft Luna 13 lands on the moon. And then also on the 24th, a uh, little sad news, Air Force C-144 military charter aircraft crashes near Binh Thai, Vietnam, killing 129. Wow. So, interesting ups and downs that week. Exactly. Before the holidays. Yeah, right before the holidays, yeah. Moving on to the Billboard charts this week, we're finally having some uh, changes after a few weeks where things were pretty stable. Number five, down one, Devil with a Blue Dress and Good Golly Miss Molly by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Number four, new to the top five, up two from last week, That's Life by Frank Sinatra. Great tune in my opinion. That's life. That's what all the people say You're riding high in April Shot down in May But I know I'm gonna change that tune 
When I'm back on top, back on top in June, I said that's life. So it's interesting seeing, always seeing kind of these old crooners interspersed between some of these newer acts, definitely. If you think about it, this is the classic minute. This is when they're the Rat Pack. So they're not quite the older guys we think yet. And they have been the coolest guys in town, certainly the coolest guys in and still on television, right? We're going to have the Dean Martin, uh, Frank Sinatra Christmas specials and okay. things like that. Fair and enough. Yeah. So they're still cool. They're just older cool. The, yeah. Um, yeah. They're, yeah. They're more Mad Men 60s. They're more early yes. 60s. Yes. Yes, exactly. Fair enough. And speaking of newer acts appearing in this week's top five, number three, up five slots from last time in their second, second song to appear in the Billboard charts. Number three, I'm a Believer by the Monkees. Woohoo! I thought love was only true in fairy tales. And for someone else, but not for me. Our love was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. Disappointment haunted all my dreams. Then I saw her face. And then number two, Unchanged, Mellow Yellow by Donovan. And number one, also unchanged, Winchester Cathedral by the new Vaudeville Band. And, you know, the concept of think about that, and they've said this before in different interviews or whatnot, but the idea that Frank Sinatra and Mickey Dolenz shared songs in the top five tells you something about how important they were, again, in a world that tries to dismiss them. They were in the top five with Frank Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing stuff. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. Okay, guest stars. Not very many this week, but several very interesting. I think most so our first one. Rita Shaw, portraying Mrs. Batterly. Most of you, at least of my generation, will probably most recognize her for her character roles that she did with Disney. She was both the grumpy cook in Pollyanna and the grumpy cook in Mary Poppins. (laughs) (laughs) Can't say she was typecast or anything. No, not at all. Well, she did an excellent job in both of those movies. She took kind of a small part and made it very memorable. She also starred as Martha Grant in The Ghost and Mrs. Muir that ran from 68 to 70 and showed up regularly on the Red Skelton Hour, Bewitched, Here's Lucy, and, well, just go to IMDb because she, like, at least pops up on about every TV show you can think of from, like, the mid-50s. And then her final credit in IMDb was actually Escape from Witch Mountain in 1975. Oh, how fun! Which, of course, was remade by The Rock a few years ago. Yes, the original's those, better. Those, I know, me too. I, I think he said that in an interview once too, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yep. And next up, we have Kelly Jean Peters. She had mostly kind of one-off guest spots from the 60s to the 80s. She was on stuff like Gunsmoke, Love American Style. She actually had a recurring role in three episodes of Cagney and Lacey, Ginger Cohen. And she also popped up in their 94 reunion movie. But, you know, I think the most notable thing I saw on IMDb was the role that got away. She was actually cast as Gloria in the initial 1968 pilot for All in the Family. Yes. It's a good example of how often that happens, where they start with a set of people in a pilot and something will change. I um, often talk about this in classes with Buffy the Vampire Slayer because right. there was a different Willow. The woman, And the idea or the decision was that she was too pretty. 
And the stupid trope in television is that pretty girls have less pretty friends. Mm-hmm. And Alison Hannigan must have heard that or known something because, you know, you show up to those auditions without makeup and they think you're not pretty when, of course, Alison Hannigan is quite a beautiful woman. Yeah. But she knew she wasn't supposed to outshine Sarah Michelle Gellar. So we often get those kinds of moments. If they're just looking for that chemistry, like even Cagney and Lacey, you know, was TV movies a couple of times over before they landed on Tyne Daly. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Loretta Swit did the first TV movie. That's Loretta right. I'd Swit. forgotten mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it happens more often, but it's got to be terrible for an actor to go, whoa, that is the one that got away. Yeah, and, and that's true because, of course, uh, when it was picked up in 71, the role was recast with Sally Struthers, and the rest is history. Exactly. Exactly. Now, for me, when I looked at IMDb, I noted that she had a small part in The Great Waldo Pepper, which huh. is a Robert Redford film uh, written by William Goldman, who's the guy who gave us Princess Bride. Yes. Uh, which I adore. And um, Susan Sarandon is in that movie. And I do I have a book I use in my screenwriting class. That is William Goldman, and he published four of his screenplays long before you could get them all over the internet all the time. And he talked about the writing of them. And that movie is one I remembered seeing as a kid, and it, I liked it, but it did terribly. And Goldman said it was because, spoiler alert, it's about men who did airplane tricks in the early days of aviation. Mm-hmm. And uh, a female character dies. Ah. And he felt that they took a comedy, and then they let a bad thing happen, and then they shirked it off as if it didn't affect anybody. And that annoyed the audience. So it's a really interesting study in he knew it when he saw it in previews and he wanted them to refilm that and they didn't want to put the money into it. And instead, the movie tanked and it was a Robert Redford movie. So they should have put more money into it. (laughs) More money, more attention. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll have to check out quite a career. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing career. Yeah. And then third up, a Jeff DeBinning as Hat. His biggest role was Gatch in 1967's How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. But he also appeared in a lot of kind of the usual shows that we see between about 1958 and 1975. Did a lot of westerns, but he also popped up in Donna Reed's show, Bewitched, and I Dream of Jeannie, among others. And was there some more stuff you wanted to say about him? I was just going to say one thing is an interesting, both he and Kelly Jean did do this sort of go from the Western era in TV into the sitcom era, right? And it's it's more special for her because he was already kind of a character, but for a woman to have a career that moves into her next age of life, first you're the teen girl, then you're the mother, then you're grandmother, True. that's a pretty big achievement. A lot of women just sort of petered out, right, when they stopped being the cute girl next door. So I think that's interesting for her. And then for him, just the idea of how to succeed in business we mostly think that teenagers today know that because that's a play that Daniel Radcliffe did, the 50th anniversary version of on Broadway. And they, yes. you can look up the Tonys of that year and see him do a song from it. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, those are our guest stars, a relatively short list today. And then, Roseanne, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about Dave Evans and metatextuality, which is everybody's big word for today. (laughs) The big word of the day. Yes, I think the cool thing about the way Dave wrote, he understood the show from the very beginning. He loved the show. When I met him, he said after the show was over, he did go to another show that was not nearly as much fun, and he ended up leaving the business because he thought no job would ever be as wonderful as the monkeys had been, which I think we all agree they're quite wonderful. But he... So he really relished the show and what it was about. And so I think we see him using the stuff that came from the pilot. He really sort of memorized that idea. And that's why this one has all those cute moments where it's like, oh, her daughter, her daughter. And they all stare at them, right? That's a very Shakespearean type thing. I mean, that's what we call woo fancy metatextuality in the academic world. 
that they also play with the idea of the sponsors and, oh, yeah, shows had sponsors and we have sponsors. And so he's really playing with the interior world of television, which we know the show did a few times right, with Captain Crocodile and other stuff. So I think it's just a fun example of that. And then when it comes to um, casting, I think it's it's fun, even though Davey is a regular, what Dave Evans could do was he understood that character best and he knew he was a pop idol and that's what you had to play on. And he enjoyed doing that. I think in the early episodes, and I mean, we're in 15 in a show that, you know, they, they, nowadays you do six or eight or 12. Mm-hmm. So 15 is already, whoa. But they were only halfway through their first season, really. Yeah. And he was still helping to identify who is Davy, and Davy is the ladies' man in the group. That is what he's all about. And as you'll go through the summary, we shall see how much they play on that idea. And I think it's kind of cute because that's who he thought Davy was, and he really solidifies that in the writing of this episode. You know what? You've just changed my mind on some stuff. Because <laughs> I was about to talk about I didn't like this episode some, as much as some of the ones that have come recently. Just because, like, last episode, they'd given Davy so much to do that wasn't, you know, falling in love or riding a horse, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And this week, I mean, is just the, it's like the epitome, the er version of the stars and the eyes and the, the thing. But as you're talking and going through this metatextuality, I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe there was a little bit of a wink and nod from Davy going on. Because as I start thinking through the episode again, maybe he was even starting to send that up a little bit, you know. Oh, I'm sure. In many ways, that's what they were doing. They were parodying, yeah. which is another of fun style of writing. But the show, the other interesting thing I've always said about the show is that every week you had a different kind of episode. You had mysteries and you had romps and you had romances and you had, you know, straight comedies. And so, yeah, this definitely, and of course, we have the farce of fairy tale. This is a parody of who he was becoming. Yeah. Um, which is true, right? I mean, yeah, girls yeah, because by reason. this time they were big, as we just discussed. They've, j- yeah. you know, they're about to have their next number one single in like less than six months span. He's on the cover of every magazine, so yeah, this is. Now you mentioned there is certain a certain subtle parody element of this going on too. So, hey, okay. I think it makes it fun. Yes, it's not the most exciting episode, but it's like a little nutshell of what everyone thinks the show was only about. And it's not only about this, but this is the perfect example of when you say the monkeys, that's what people think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason that when they did the 97 special, which we'll get to, uh, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. before the heat death of the universe, you know, they basically, this is, that's this trope, the Davy with the stars and the eyes and the girls is, you know, one of the things they send up in that, so. Of course, Mike is going to have that line about he's trapped by his own staggering good looks. I mean, come on, how is that not a parody? (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, anyway, let's get on to the episode. Davey. Davey. Hey, Davey. Hey, that's the third time today. Hey, Davey. Davey, come back. Davey? No use. He's gone. <laughs> There's another girl around here somewhere. There she is, over there. Please, please, please. Please, please. Please, please. Please, please. Please, please. Hey, Phyllis, come on, you can sing? Oh, no. It happened, a girl. Yeah, you're um, again. So, 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 so
The monkeys are in their pad trying to rehearse uh, Step and Stone, one of the very few times they actually are singing and playing music live to camera. That and Ryushi are the main ones off the top of my head. I'm sure there's others. But three times they are disrupted by Davy's hypnotic trance and realizing there must be a girl in the room, they find one equally staring uh, love-struck at Davy. And by the way, that's Val Carries, for those of you who didn't catch, friend of the show. And uh, they send Val away. And after she leaves, Davy emerges from his trance and starts singing as if nothing has happened. <laughs> and then they have a conversation that need he needs to vow to spend a little less time with the ladies and i'm gonna put that audio in right here listen i'll tell you what fellas i'll never look at another girl ever huh? would you mind yeah. to make that in the form of a vow yeah i'd love to oh. okay i i vow vow no more no more girls girls perfect very cute then, of course, the guys have to find and evict several attractive ladies from the pad, culminating in Davy and several attractive young women doing a very early rehearsal of the harem scene in Head. <laughs> yes, indeed. They got those ideas from somewhere. As well, I mean, it's, all, it's tropes all the way down in yes. this show. Yes. <laughs> After the credits... We see them arriving by Monkey Mobile at a tea shop owned by Mrs. Batterly. She reads fortunes, but she's also a stage mother plotting to use Davy to launch her daughter's show business career. We don't really know how she came to know of Davy, but hey, any case. And uh, think, speaking of tropes, is the stage mother, the Mama Rose, not the most tropish mother character we've seen? Absolutely. She's up there. And because Fern is definitely not as into this concept, but, you know, she's definitely the boss in this relationship. So she hands her daughter Fern a nail and pepper, tells her to do what she knows how to do. She lures the monkeys into her tea room and then calls Mr. Hack to let her know her daughter will be on the amateur hour show with a partner. Then uh, Mrs. Batterly offers to read the guy's fortunes with in their tea leaves, kind of a funny joke of she keeps standing up and they keep standing up because of, yes, you know, they're, they're long, they've got long hair, but they're, so, they're very well-mannered gentlemen. They're young, exactly. They, and, and that's still something they were trying to sort of prove to the mm -hmm. audience who maybe weren't sure that their children should watch them. And also it was the habit of the older men who wrote the show. Absolutely, yes. And so we get some fortunes. Uh, Mike is apparently about to have a flat tire, and Peter's coming down with a 24-hour bug. And then Fern makes both both come true with the nail and the pepper, respectively. Then, of course, Mrs. Batterly predicts that Davy will fall in love within 24 hours and leave his friends. They're all skeptical of her predictions, as they should be. I mean, back in Royal Flush, Davy turned down a chance to be the Prince Consort of Harmonica. Exactly, to stay with the boys. He had exactly. his place with the band. Exactly, that was his place. And, I mean, so, but in any case, that said, when the monkeys leave, Mike sees the monkey mobile's right front tire is flat, and Peter starts sneezing. They then freak out about the other prediction, dump Davy in the monkey mobile, and zoom back to the pad. So, <laughs> so then Mickey, Mike, and Peter decide they're going to imprison Davy for the next 24 hours to make sure he doesn't meet any girls. <laughs> then, of course, there's a knock on the door. They hide uh, Davy by uh, draping a tablecloth over him. They think it's a Girl Scout, and then it turns out it's Fern disguised as a Girl Scout, and they exactly. usher her out. Then they're playing guards. There's another knock at the door. 
They see that it is a uh, female photographer. They try to get Davy upstairs. It turns out to be Fern, of course. She takes a publicity photo of the other three guys, asks about the fourth member. Then she flashes her flash bulb to blind everybody and, and tries to get upstairs to Davy. And then they manage to throw her out again. And then basically Davy is like just fed up at this point, which is understandable. These are his best friends holding him hostage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they basically say the only way they're going to keep him here is to chain him down. And then they chain him to a chair, as you do, uh, and then sit him in front of uh, another Screen Gym show, Iron Horse, which interestingly enough, aired opposite the monkeys in that time slot at that time. Well, but if you, and here's, here's a wonderful piece of metatextuality. If they are going to turn on the television, which I guess our younger audience won't recognize, there were shows that aired at certain times each day. There yeah, wasn't you couldn't streaming. record them. You, you had to be in the front of the TV at that time. Exactly. And so if, if Dave was going to watch TV at the time his own TV show was airing, Iron Horse is what would be on the other channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then in his mate's absence, because he's at home by himself at this point, a telegram is slipped under the door, selecting him to be a judge for the 15th annual beauty contest, which, you know, it has him zooming out the door, even though he's still shackled to the chair. <laughs> Why didn't he just lower the thing, you know, the chair foot had it just pick up the chair and pull a chain hook well, from under? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the old Roger Rabbit thing, only when it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then the guys figure out he's left. They're trying to find him. They find another guy dragging a chair down the street with his foot. And it turns out to, to be one of the stand-ins, David Price. Yep, yep. Play <laughs> um, the gag. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we make it to the beauty contest and discover that not only is Fern the only contestant, the pageant is, of course, held in the tea room. Davy falls in love at first sight, both with and without the Vaseline smeared on the lens. <laughs> yeah, this is a, f- a rather famous bit. One of the, the few bits of, I mean, there are little snippets of censorship, and we all know the devil and Peter Tork stuff. But, yep. you know, this is one of the really kind of visibly obvious ones. They thought that, I guess they thought that she looked a little too developed in the bikini, in, in, exactly. in the beauty pageant. So they basically just blurred out like the bottom two thirds of the screen. It's very badly done. I'm sorry. You know, I guess they didn't have time for reshoots or whatever. I'm sure. Oh, no, 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 not at all. And so they used technology, which wasn't great back then. Yeah. Yeah. But in any case, both the blurry vision and the non-blurry vision, Davy falls in love at first sight and uh, literally hears music whenever he touches her face. You know, she's messing with the record player in the back of the room. The other monkeys show up and realize it's too late as she tells Davy and Fern of Fern's prediction of her prediction for Fern going on the amateur hour talent show with a partner who, of course, happens to be Davy. Davy is reluctant, good, but does soon relent. Mickey, Mike, and Peter try to stop him by sitting on the chair that is still chained to his leg at this point, but Davy picks up the chain and. Well, come on, fellas. No, no way, sir. No, sorry, I'm only trying to help you. Uh-huh. Come on. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Sure understand. Help. All right, fellas. You ask for it. A man in love has the strength of thousands. <laughs> come on, Fern. Let's rehearse. 
After Fern and Davy leave, Peter answers the phone where Mr. Hack from the Amateur Hour gives Peter a message to remind Mrs. Batterly that Davy and her daughter will appear last. And, of course, the guys realize Mrs. Batterly's scheme. <laughs> her daughter. Her daughter. <laughs> you know, and, and I had a thought on this because it always felt a little contrived that Davy would, like, totally leave the band for Fern as opposed to just kind of doing this thing with her and then coming back. But I thought they could have fixed that in the script a little bit by maybe by just having a throwaway line at the start that the monkeys were going to appear on the amateur hour too. They wouldn't have even had to change much because they ended up appearing in it anyway. Exactly. And you could have said there was a rule that said, you know, just as we, when we get into some like it lukewarm, there's a rule that you have to be a co-ed group. This could have been a rule you could only appear once on the show. Exactly. And that would have that would have amped the tension in all of this, because I think that was the thing that I struggled with. It wasn't Davy's characterization, especially after you convinced me about kind of the parody elements of it so much as just the structure. It felt like the stakes were a little contrived. I don't know. <laughs> They weren't high enough, and that would probably be something because Dave Evans was such a nice guy. He wasn't great at creating conflict. Yeah, I that I can't write. I don't write fiction very well myself because I stink at writing conflict. I totally they, understand. It's that. difficult. It is hard to do, and making it believable is hard. So. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Well, anyway, on to the TV amateur hour, which they all end up appearing in anyway. The guys realize that if Davey wins, their musical act will break up. They think of some something drastic to make Davey and Fern's act lose. First, they appear in solo capacities in disguises. Peter is the astonishing Pietro, an inept magician, and he is literally crying over spilt milk by the end. Then, of course, we've got Mike as Billy Roy Hodstetter, a corny folk singer, doing a very familiar tune right here. Our next contestant on your TV amateur hour is a very gifted folk singer. And here he is, Billy Roy Hodstetter. Thank you very much, Mr. Hack. that is you wonder if they simply said oh mike sing something yeah and, and never really established what and he just started singing something that he knew off the top of his head that wasn't a monkey song well and ian tried to get that to be get kirshner to take that one on and he was like no that's not a monkey song and nez is like i'm a monkey and then of course you know gives it to linda ronstadt and the rest is history but Right. So you know, maybe that I, was his, I, I his... wonder if that was a bit of him, you know, if they said, yeah, just see, sing something. It's like, okay, I'm going to make this a monkey song. Dang it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, totally. Getting back, you know, in that way. There's that. And I do not know about, usually if you use a certain number of stanzas, you have to pay for the song. So mm. he does kind of sing. If he, he doesn't just sing a couple lines, he sings a little bit because he goes so fast. Yeah. And yeah. I'm almost wondering if he did that in order to get just enough they had to pay him for it. I wouldn't put that past him. <laughs> Have to look into that. And then, of course, Mickey goes on as Loxley Mendoza, a uh, even cornier and uh, more inept comic slash mimic. And he basically just keeps impersonating James Cagney over and over. That's all he can do, apparently. <laughs> apparently. 
And then while this is going on, uh, my computer gave Davey a squirt of breath spray laced with a formula to make his voice crack, fill his jacket with rocks, and give him a rubber cane. Davey and Fern go on stage. Davey winds up fouling everything up, of course, and Fern storms off stage, crying to the arms of her mother, who barks at Davey for being such an untalented kid. And then at this point, where Davy has now figured out what the whole scheme was, Mr. Hack introduces his sponsor, but then the monkeys quickly correct him to our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> then they come back from break, and we get the commercial for Straga Cab. There we go. Straga Cab is superior to those products that contain iron. Straga Cab contains aluminum. Well, iron is fine, but remember, iron can rust. Sidraw Cab, spelled backwards, means, is, backwards. Hard for him to say as well as you. Yeah, I know, I know. And then, and I just listened to the, watch the thing. I should have done that better. Anyway, and then he introduces the monkeys as the next act. Um, see, they should have just been in the contest to start with. And then they exactly. perform I Am a Believer, of course, as you do. And then they all come together. The four guys come together and talk about Mrs. Batterly's scheme. Uh, Davy realizes he was tricked. He apologizes. And then, of course, the winners tonight. Uh, no, baby. Fern and Davy. Here we come. Walk down the Mr. Hack declares Fern and Davy the winners. <laughs> Roll credits. Which makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, and 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 because this is the monkeys and this is not serialized, do we go back to status quo ante as if it had never happened? But you know, exactly. But isn't that yeah. funny? Because that's that's an odd, that's that's a joke ending, but it begs for more, and they don't give you any more. Right. There are a couple of episodes like that where, like, feels like it ends a little. It just kind of goes on for a while and stops. You know, exactly. kind of exactly. like the. The other one I think of is the art museum one where they like all end, uh, end up in the cage at the end, but then everything's fine. So, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And again, again, that's also, as we said before, a different style of TV writing that the serialization wasn't part of the deal back then. It was, you know, the joke on Bonanza was that little Joe married, a, fell in love with a new girl every week and never even like remembered the last one. Yeah. Yep, it just different era of television, and yeah, exactly, so. exactly, okay. a little less sophisticated. Let's see. Moving on to songs in the episode, there wasn't much to say yet. As er mentioned earlier, we had a snippet of Stepping Stone that, as I said, looked like it was performed live to camera. A lot of times they will do like in One Man Shy, they had a pre-recorded version that the guys were miming to, but it seemed like they were, you know, performing live to camera. And you know, this is right after I think they're, if I'm remembering right from Sandoval, they recorded this episode not long after like their first kind sure. of few they they weren't doing concert dates right. yet because that wasn't right. till december but like a few personal appearances and stuff so right. they were definitely getting ready to play so that might have been why they did that live to camera and then i'm a believer of course which has been in like the last i don't know six or seven episodes since it being number three in billboard yeah. and we covered those credits back in one man shy and i could not find anything about any replacement songs and the repeats but if there was anything oh. let me know but you know it was probably so popular even in the 70s there was no need to replace them and people were still probably buying at least the greatest hits albums as those came out so true and those, those were two of their biggies also it seems like neither as you pointed out there was not a romp per se in this episode 
Stepping Stone, they were performing live, and then I'm a Believer was just them doing the sh- doing the song to camera. There was no rompy music, you know, proto music video y stuff in there. So it could just be it's a lot harder to sub in another song for that. I now I'm going to have to like go back and look at which songs got replaced and which didn't. So that's a good point because it's not over a romp, and it gives us a chance to use another PhD mouthful phrase, diegetic. Right? I'm sure some people know that and some people don't. But the whole concept of diegetic music is music that is part of the story. It exists in the narrative. It's not a score over top of it. So romps are often a score over top of them having activities. And in That's this case, it's, it's them playing music. It belongs in the story. You can't take it out. Yeah. And, and even I'm a believer uh, looking as, you know, steeping aside the fact that they couldn't really, you know, throw in through the looking glass or whatever and have it look even reasonably accurate given the oh, nature. Yeah. It right. is supposedly being played in the context of this, you know, this band contest. So, yeah. Although the funny thing is, and again, this is, you know, rewriting a writer. But if, if part of the concept here was they needed Davy to make the band complete, you think that then they should have used a song that Davy was the lead singer on. Well, I'm trying to think what was out yet that was really... Not. Yeah, like Clarksville and I'm a, they're both uh, Mickey. I Want to so. Be Free was probably the, the biggest thing he'd done, but that doesn't really fit in this moment. Plus, it's not on the new single, so... Right, exactly. So is that interesting? Just, yeah. you know... It wasn't in service to the story as it could have been because that's not how they were thinking back then. Right. Interesting Very true. Stuff. I don't say that crazy, not crazy, but the only interesting, or whatever, the other interesting thing that always makes me laugh is that we have what's called a gypsy tea room run mm-hmm. by an English woman. Yeah. Well, I mean, she doesn't really have a thick English accent there. I mean, there's sort of a bit of a mid-Atlantic thing going on, but... Yeah, but still, like, why it should be an English tea room, except she needs to read tea leaves, which wouldn't happen in English tea room. Right. Interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> interesting choice there. Interesting but... choice, interesting episode. Like I said, there were, I, I've got some quibbles about, like, the story structure. You know, it's another one that maybe yeah. could have taken another pass, but it's still all in all a good episode. And you've, you've convinced me on the Davy characterization. You know, <laughs> I, you're, you're right. There are definitely, that they're kind of starting to poke fun at themselves in a gentle way, which will only accelerate as time goes on. <laughs> Very true. Very true. You know, and that's part of recognizing that you've become a pop culture phenom. And so you're going to play with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think that's pretty much everything I have to say about this episode. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Nope, I think we covered it. You're right in that because it's not a very meaty episode, there isn't tons to say. I think the last thing that struck me watching it is the business of how, again, how vaudevillian, the the type of amateur show, the type of acts they were playing, and then coming in with, when Fern comes in with the camera from, you know, the 1900s, well, the 1800s, really. Yeah. There's a whole level of this, this strange mix and match of things that do and don't belong in this time period. And it weirdly enough reminds me of this, this uh, kid show that my son used to watch called Hey Arnold. Where oh, it was yeah. set in the modern day, but they lived in a boarding house, which doesn't really exist yeah. anymore. And it was such an interesting mix of depression, but modern era. And that's a, it's a fun visual, I guess. And I'm not really sure, except when they put this all together and said, you know, we're sort of copying the Marx brothers. Well, then they really did, but in mm-hmm. the 60s. So it's just interesting. The juxtaposition is odd, but fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 
So next time we have, since the Romani stuff was pretty subtle, and you said really just an excuse for Mrs. Batterly to read tea leaves, we've got to go with episode 16, Son of a, I'm sorry, folks, Gypsy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I said, the since that stuff was pretty subtle in this one, they decided it was time to really lean, lean in. Family of thieves want to steal the Maltese vulture, Peter's kidnapped, hijinks and ethnic stereotypes ensue. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, sadly, very bad ethnic stereotypes. Yeah, it's not quite monkey chow mein, but that's like in the dictionary under low bar. <laughs> yes, yes. And and sadly, do anything for a joke. Like, like Exactly. Not really thinking about the consequences of your jokes. So uh, falling yeah. back on that old humor. Yeah, it's interesting. Since we recorded our last Monkeys 101, I do want to shout out this really cool series on YouTube I discovered about Ooh. a month ago called knickknacks and i'll put a link in the show notes or on the facebook group where basically they are going through every tv episode that every tv show that aired on nickelodeon since its founding in like 1983 i think is when it started and of course in due course they get to the monkeys reruns that uh, aired on there between 86 and 88 reason i'm sitting here as a fan reason i'm sure many of you are sitting there listening and he actually does a dive into the show and it's interesting seeing somebody who does something Something very similar to what Roseanne and I do, but in a different genre who's not, you know, like a monkey fan like we are. And right. so maybe a little less inclined to cut them slack because we were, know they were all nice people and nice creators and genuinely wanted to do the right thing and that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, he overall seemed to enjoy the show, but he definitely points out some of the problematic issues like this and Monkey Chow Mein and some of those stuff. So, but overall, it's really interesting kind of if you're into TV history, which you probably are if you're listening to this episode, <laughs> give Nick Knacks a shot. And is, if nothing else, watch the episodes on Pop Clips, which was, you know, yeah, Nesbitt's like- attempt at proto MTV. And then, of course, uh, the monkeys. And Nick Rocks is a fun episode, too, though. They don't talk about the Meet the Monkeys contest. I really wish they had. How funny, of all things. That's yeah, so, I know. Like, I part sent in, like, 20 postcards to that dang thing and didn't, yeah. even, didn't even win Pool It. No, I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Amazing so how we carry these things with us. Yeah, that is, that is uh, I, I met everybody but Davey in the end, so it all evens out anyway. So next time is Son of a Gypsy, and thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being such supporters of Zilch, and we will see you next time on Monkeys 101. Next time, Dr. Roseanne Welch is a Mickey girl and the author of Why the Monkeys Matter, Teenagers, Television, and American Pop Culture. After a career of writing for television shows like Touched by an Angel, Picket Fences, and Beverly Hills 90210, Roseanne shifted gears and went into education. She now writes on film and television studies and teaches in the screenwriting program at Stevens College. Dr. Sarah Clark is an April conquest and proud of it. When not podcasting here at Zilch, a monkey's podcast, or writing at her blog, Fandom Lenses, her not-terribly-secret identity, she can be found leading a university library in the Philadelphia area. Sarah is convinced that her utter inability to understand Head when she was 11 sparked the intellectual curiosity that led her into academia. If only she'd known the guys themselves didn't understand Head either. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed this trip to Monkeys 101. Roseanne and I really enjoyed doing these, and uh, we know folks like these as well. It's always fun kind of exploring TV history. And that is about it for this episode of Zilch. Thank you, as always, for uh, downloading us and choosing to listen. We know you have all kinds of choices in your podcast listening, and it means a lot that you uh, care about us and what we have to say and kind of our shared love for these guys that has lasted uh Wow, over 55 years now. How the heck did that happen? Well, guess that's about it. And we will see you next time on Zilch, a monkeys podcast. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.